Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I wonder how many of you guys have actually watched the Unsolved Mysteries show back in the day. I'm not talking like the new one now, because the new one now I think that they've got on, it's not as scary. The old one, I don't know the dude's name that did Unsolved Mysteries, but he terrified the living daylights out of me every time I heard him speak. There was something in that guy's voice. Um, I remember one time, uh, my older sister happened to be watching it home alone one time, and she had to go and drive over to the neighbor's house. That's how terrifying this guy was. And the stories weren't even all that scary all the time. It was just the way this guy would talk. They would have, it would, it would be dark, and they'd, they'd have this music going that was just like eerie as all get out. And this guy could get on, and he could talk to you about how to make scrambled eggs, and you'd be terrified. He'd get this voice and be like, you take the egg that was so mercilessly taken from underneath its mother and you crack it, and you watch the lifeless chicken's body ooze between your fingers, and then you take a fork and you stir it. The voice is not even close, but you get the sense of, are you terrified right now? No, probably not, okay. But every time I watched that guy's show, man, it would terrify me. Again, the stories, it didn't matter what the story was. I remember one time, and this story sticks so so vaguely in my head. there was a story of this family was like, uh, they were driving down a freeway. And as they're driving down the freeway, the daughter in the back seat says up to her mom and dad, I see our dog running out, uh, out in the field out there. And you'd be like, eh, it's not a big deal. Well, it's really foggy out. And it's, so the fogginess is kind of eerie and they're making it, he's talking as eerily as you possibly can imagine. And then she's like, yeah, our dog's out there. And you find out that the dog was dead for a while. Yeah, and so I saw that face. That's what I thought too. It terrified me, guys. And so they stop the car on the side of the freeway. And they go out and they look for their dead dog, you guys. And as they're looking for their dead dog, this big pileup happens out on the freeway. And now I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm like, well, yeah, because you stopped on the side of the road and everybody had to swerve or something but they think that their lives were saved because of their dead dog in the field. This stuff is crazy. I still remember it to this day, that story. And it was this dumb story, and I was terrified. There's something about Unsolved Mysteries, the way that this guy would talk, that just would scare me like crazy. Um, And honestly, uh, it's, it's not always a story, but it's the fact that it's a mystery. There's something about mysteries that... I don't know about you, but I actually, I don't, I will not watch Unsolved Mysteries, the old school show, because it was too scary, but other stuff, like, I love listening to to true crime podcasts. I know it's a little dark, but there's something about mystery that intrigues us. It gets us kind of sucked in, and in this next part of Colossians that we're going to look at today, this is, this is what Paul actually talks about. He talks about the mystery of God, and I love the way that he talks about the mystery of God. Uh, this, this mystery that was, has just kind of always been there since the beginning of time that people have about who is God? What is the answer to this mystery? And truth is, some of you might be in here this morning and you're, you're at church because you're actually trying to figure out what this mystery of God is. Some of you have been at church a lot, a lot in your life. And 
There's times where you think, man, I, I get this mystery. I get what the mystery of God is all about. And then there's other times where you're like, I don't feel like I've ever been this far from understanding what this mystery of God is all about. And there's others of you, you, you feel like you, you've got a total handle on it. Um, and there was, there was sometimes at the end of the Unsolved Mysteries show, they would have a, a recap of something that happened earlier on in, in a past show, and they would, give, they would give an update. And they'd be like, here's the answer to this mystery that we told you about. And some of us, we come to church and we feel like, man, we've, we feel like we've watched that, that, that part of the episode. We know what the answer to this mystery of God is all about. And the truth is, is that Paul is a guy who understood what this mystery was all about. There's a lot in this passage that we're about to read. I, going through the book of Colossians and trying to do it in a 10-week series, uh, it's difficult because there's huge passages. And we can't, we can't like, go really, really in-depth into every single verse that we're going to read today or any of these days. But I think that there's a lot of really good stuff, as always, in this, in this passage. And so I want us to read this. It's going to be a little bit longer. But I want you to listen in particular to what Paul talks about when he... He mentions this mystery of God. Really, really take a moment to, to, to train, hone in on what he's saying in that part of the, of the passage. So this is Colossians 1, starting in verse 24. We're going to read through chapter 2, verse 7. And Paul says this, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God, to you, the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are all hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this that, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul just writes different than we do, right? Uh, there's just so much richness in that. And so... Uh, I got to tell you, I was taken aback when I started looking at this passage this week. Um, that very first verse that Paul says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I was thinking about that this week, and I'm like, dang, that is, like, that is some, that's some kind of stuff that I would never say. I rejoice that I am suffering for you. You know, we suffer a, a lot of things in this world, and we suffer on behalf of other pe people many times. Um, and I think about my wife. My wife has had to suffer with kids who don't let her sleep at night for like the last 15 years. Uh, when they were babies, it was because of two reasons. Either they needed food, which I couldn't help with as much as she could, or they needed to be changed, which I could have helped with, but I chose not to. 
I pretended to be asleep a lot. I am not lying about that, you guys. I'd hear it. I'd hear the cry, wah, wah, and I'm maybe toss and turn. Just like, you just pretend. Because she's better at changing diapers. It would get all over when I would try to change. It was not good. But Crystal, for 15 years, she's been having to get up with, with kids in the middle of the night. If it wasn't when they were babies, now it's uh, maybe they're scared at night or maybe there's some, some anxieties going on. And I think, you know, they've, they've realized my kids have who the one to go to is. So they come to me, I'm going to be like, get back in bed. Just go. Don't come down here ever again. Until, well, at least until morning, okay? But Crystal, she takes time for him. And I'll say this. I've never heard her say, I rejoice, Kellen, that I didn't get much sleep last night. Never heard her say that. But I tell you what she does rejoice in. She rejoices that she gets to, to take time for her daughters. She rejoices in that she gets to have a moment to speak truth into them, to pray over them. I wouldn't rejoice in those things as much, okay? But she rejoices in those things. When you got a kid who's struggling with hurts and you have to get out of your comfort zone, it's not always easy to rejoice in the moment that God has given to you. But I also believe it's only possible to really rejoice in moments of suffering when we see the bigger picture. And I think it's most possible to rejoice in suffering when we see that it is a God-glorifying moment that he has put us into to do something with. And so this passage, I think it shows us some ways that the truth of Jesus actually, it does some really mysterious things. He talked about mysteries in this, in this passage quite a bit. And, and I think the passage shows us some mysteries that the truth of Jesus brings to our lives. First thing is this. The truth of Jesus changes your outlook on suffering. There is a mystery in that. How does that happen? But I think the more that we dig into a life with Jesus, the more that he changes what that outlook looks like when it comes to suffering. It's a mystery how anybody can rejoice in the kind of suffering that Paul went through in particular. He went through some crazy suffering. But he didn't see it as such a bad thing because if it meant that people were getting to understand what, what the word of Jesus was, what the gospel was, the good news of Jesus, then it actually, it all mattered. It, it, it meant something to him. This dude was writing this letter from prison. In fact, he wrote at least four of his letters from prison. And I think that Jesus was able to change Paul's outlook on even what, what being in prison meant. Um, I want you to listen to this first verse again, verse 24. He says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I will fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And I want to take a minute, and I want to actually want to go, uh, hit on the second part of this verse, because it's probably the most confusing part of this whole passage. Just keep it up on the screen for just a moment so people can keep looking at it if they need to. But he, he says something here that it is, you ever go into the, to the garage and you want to get an extension cord? And you get to the extension cord and you're like, this thing is all twisted up. Some guys are amazing. They know, they know how to, to wind up an extension cord and then you take it off and then you just like drop it and it just, it's like butter and it just comes out perfectly. I don't know how to do that. I, I wind up an extension cord, and th then I try to undo it, and it's just knot after knot after knot after knot. And I'm going to be honest with you. It feels like this passage is one of those things where we have to unwind. Like, what is, what is Paul actually saying here? Because I read this, and I go, 
in regard to Christ's afflictions. When we think of Christ's afflictions, a lot of times what we think of is what Jesus did on the cross. This, this awful affliction that he suffered for us on, on the cross. But he says, I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. We have to understand, there is nothing in the rest of Paul's writing or throughout the New Testament where they make it seem like Christ's affliction on the cross wasn't perfect. That, that there, there was something not full about it. Instead, what we see in, in Scripture is what Jesus did on the cross, it was a one-time-for-all-time type of thing that it gives us salvation, it gives us freedom, it gives us forgiveness. So what is Paul saying in this passage? I don't believe he's actually talking about Christ's affliction on the cross. I believe what he's talking about is the affliction that he went through and endured in life throughout his ministry, throughout, throughout even before his ministry. Looking back at the 40 days that he spent in the wilderness, wandering around the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. That was an affliction. You think about his time that he walked around with people and had to, to walk in sandals on dirt roads and, and had to, to be in, in all these situations that I, I wouldn't want to have to be in and to deal with people who are not easy to deal with. In his time on, on this earth, he dealt with a lot of difficult stuff. He denied himself daily. He, he spent time to go out and pray early in the morning every single day. Um, he, didn't, he didn't enjoy the worldly pleasures that he himself had created. And I think, I think what Paul's trying to say here, there's a, a commentator that says something really good about this. I want to read it. He says, The church is built up by repeated acts of self-denial in successive individuals and successive generations. They continue the work which Christ began. Jesus is no longer walking this earth and able to suffer in the afflictions of ministry and to let people know what the good news of Jesus is. And so what Paul is saying here is what, was, what, it, what Jesus is not able to do right now, I'm able to do. I'm able to go into the world and suffer for him so that other people can know what the good news, what the gospel of Jesus actually is. So now it's our job to take up that effort, to be the church that's repeatedly choosing to deny ourselves as individuals every single day. For the sake of others coming to know what this great mystery is, the mystery that we find answered in the person of Jesus. And even as a prisoner, uh, Paul is able to recognize that, that there is still more that he's able to endure for the sake of Jesus. Um, Jesus is with us in our suffering. That's what Paul realizes. He's with us in our suffering. And all that suffering is aimed at something better. It's aimed at something that is eternal. It's aimed at something that is beyond ourselves. And so from the time that, that Saul, that's what Paul's name was when he was, uh, when he was on this road to Damascus and this bright light shone down and Jesus spoke to him and he changed from that point on, he decided to live for Jesus. So from, from the time that this Saul who became Paul was on the road to Damascus, no matter what he went through, he was contending for others to get to understand what this mystery of God was all about. Suffering looks a lot different when it becomes about the mystery of God being made known to other people. We can look at our suffering in life a lot differently when we, when we put on that, that eternal frame of reference. Um, Paul went to prison for the gospel many times. Paul was beaten for the gospel Paul was in shipwrecks for the gospel. And to him, it was all joy. It was something that he could rejoice in. 
to me, it's crazy that, that a guy suffered as much as he did and still he just had this attitude. I can rejoice in this because it's for something that's bigger than me. Um, when I suffer for the sake of Jesus, I know that that's not my attitude a lot of the time. Uh, the rest of the world will find it to be a mystery when you and I can suffer things for the sake of Jesus and have a good attitude about it. Your hope-filled attitude in, different circum- in difficult circumstances could become like the mystery podcast that so intrigues someone else that they have to find out more. They have to find out why you not only endure tough times, but can actually be joyful in difficult times. And that mystery, it speaks to people. I was listening to a podcast last night when I was out shoveling, um, a mystery podcast, and it was a crazy story, and I just couldn't help but, but keep on listening to it. Even though as I'm shoveling and it's in the dark and, and I'm shoveling and I'm thinking that there's somebody coming behind me, guys, because I'm terrified of what I'm hearing, okay? But there, it's intriguing. And I think that when our attitudes resemble joy and rejoicing in the difficult moments, that will attract people to the story of what we're called the gospel, the good news of Jesus, And one little side note that I think is actually really important before I go to the next point here. I think part of the reason that Paul was able to keep this healthy outlook when he was going through all this stuff was in the midst of it, he kept serving people all the time. He said, I contend with this. I I go out and I, I will continue to serve people. I will continue to bring the gospel to you. Because what happens is when we when we look outside of ourselves, that actually becomes like a healing thing. I don't have to look inside and, and feel all, notice all of my pain that I'm feeling because I'm, I'm looking outside myself. I'm serving people. That is a valid exercise in healing. That's part of what Paul was doing here. I want to go a little further into the passage now, though. Uh, and I, I think, again, the, the central part of this passage is this mystery that, he, that Paul's talking about. You're going to see it come up again here, verses 25 through 28. It says, I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present you to you the word of God in, in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now closed, disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may be present uh, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. What's important to understand here is we are lucky in that we have the New Testament with us. People that Paul was writing to, they didn't have the New Testament. And because we have the New Testament, we actually don't understand and we don't realize how lacking the Old Testament actually was. The Old Testament was talking about these promises and this, this, uh, this promise of this person to come into the world and to, to save the world, and they never, they never saw it. We have that. We have that answer. We, ha- we, we know that there is there's something more that has come. Uh, but all these people that were living, even in, in Paul's time, really, they, they didn't have that. Uh, but I don't think that we are much different than people living in Paul's day. I want you to look around and Tell me that people aren't constantly looking for something that's better. Old Testament, they were constantly looking around for the Savior that was going to come, that was going to be better, that was going to bring something better. And I think that we do that same kind of stuff all the time. You look at how many, how many of you go out and you get the most brand new iPhone, even though your iPhone works completely fine, maybe has one little scratch on it, 
But that new iPhone comes out, and you're like, I got to go get that. And so you go out and you get what's better, even though the phone that you have is better than everything that's been made before it up until this last, like, two seconds. The divorce rate's through the roof, and, and a lot of times what happens is people, they, they, they get into another relationship thinking that's going to be better, not realizing that maybe what had to happen, they also had to have some healing in their own heart, in their own mind, in order for things to get better. People buy new homes, uh, new clothes, new cars, whatever else it might be, hoping that they find, they find the answer to this mystery of finding better, and they can't find it. I think we all seem to have this desire in us that we want better. We know that we're, la- we're, we're desiring, we're lacking something in the world and we want better. And it seems like it's a mystery to us until that mystery was answered in the person of who Jesus is. The truth of Jesus is the full answer to the ancient mystery of God. I think that's really the, one of the, the main points of what Paul's trying to get to us here. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks back earlier in the book of Colossians. Colossians 1.15, Paul wrote, The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is everything that we need in God. And I don't want to rehash what we talked about a couple weeks back, but having Jesus as our answer to God, it actually opens doors for us. And I love these doors that, that it opens. It it opens a door that's both easy to access, but also it's impossible to fully comprehend. The door to Jesus is easy to access, but it's, it's impossible to fully comprehend it right now. I want, to, I want you to look at the next portion I want to talk through is Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3. And this is really that part, if we talk about the part that, uh, of a passage that hums, this is it right here. Paul writes, my goal is that they may be encouraged, the church, in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What I'm reading here, it's, this is a beautiful part of this passage. I think it's both easy to understand and it's mysterious. The truth of Jesus is simple and rich, yet it's always revealing something more. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is simple and rich, but it's always revealing something more. Notice that Paul says his goal is to encourage people so that they could have complete understanding in the knowledge of this mystery of God. When we come to know who Jesus is, that he came into this world to live perfectly for us and to die for us, there is a complete understanding that we can have in what it is that he has actually done for us to redeem us. But I can't get over this verse because it's, it actually, um, what's really cool to me is the, the layering in this verse. This verse is layered in a way that, that, that Paul is, is expressing, expressing some real richness and depth here. He's saying that you and I get to have complete understanding in God. Complete understanding in the mystery of God because we've seen Jesus. But then the next part of the layer says that there are always more treasures that are yet to come your way. When you, when you know Jesus, you, you know everything you have to know, but the more that you know him, there is more treasures of wisdom and knowledge that come every single day. This is a really gratifying statement, I think. Um, it's a statement, statement that gives me hope in the ongoing relationship that we get to have with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, I also have, while we, we want things that are better all the time, I also want more all the time. 
I want more in my savings account, more in my retirement account. I wouldn't even mind more in my checking account sometimes. I want more of everything. I want more dark chocolate with sea salt all the time, every single day. At least three squares of it, usually four, okay? I, I love it. I want more downtime with my family. I want more time to read books. But then I get that more time given to me and I go, this time would be spent, well, watching television. <laughs> and so I, while I get more time to, watch, to, to read books, I end up spending it watching TV too often. The thing is, I want more. I always want more. I think that sounds like our spiritual journey a lot of the time. We want more. We want the church to feed us deeper. We want sermons to impact us more. We want to wake up and realize that we know just a little bit more about God than what we knew yesterday. We have a desire to gain more all the time, and, and I think that includes our, our understanding and our wisdom and our knowledge of God. And here's the beauty. I want you to hear this. Coming into a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean that you've reached a place where there's nowhere else to go but down. There is always more to find in having a relationship with Jesus. Man, sometimes, I think us in the church, it could be really difficult for somebody coming in to the church who's not, who's not a part of this. Because I wonder if we look as excited as we should be about getting to serve this Jesus who has died for us and we've given our lives to. But I think it's very easy for us to, I don't want to say get bored, but sometimes get bored with Jesus. We get bored with Jesus or it just becomes commonplace. I know what I, I, know what I have in Jesus. The amount of times that people are like, I don't need to go to church, I've heard it all. I get it all. I'm telling you, if, if, you're, if you're at that place where, well, man, I went, to, I went to church and all I heard about was, was I heard more about what Jesus has done for me. If that bores you, then you don't actually probably understand the gospel fully. The gospel is so rich and it is so deep that the more that we know Jesus, the more that we come to understand his grace, his love, his goodness, his kindness. You take all the fruits of the Spirit. I would name them right now, but I always get eight and I miss the ninth one. I don't know why, all right? But all these fruits of the Spirit, there is nothing deeper than the gospel, but the gospel always has something deeper to show us. Don't get bored with the gospel. Don't get bored with who Jesus is. Because I'm telling you, if you're bored with it, you've stopped opening your life up to Jesus because he always has more to give us. He always has more to show us of who he is. Paul writes that he wants to give us the full riches of, of complete understanding to this mystery of God. And God has given us this complete understanding in the person of Jesus. What is this complete understanding? It's, it's knowing his love for us, knowing that he died for us. Knowing that he gave his life for us. But that's not all. There are treasures. I love the, that next part he talks about. He says there's treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We all, every single day, have treasures of wisdom and knowledge that we can get from Jesus. The question is, what are we doing to get it? Are we actually getting into this relationship with Jesus every day saying, Jesus, I want more from you. I don't think that you've given me absolutely everything that you have to give me today. Give me something more. Show me a little bit more of who you actually are. This is not about a head knowledge thing, you guys. This is a relationship thing. I love, man, I love talking to couples who've been married for like 50 years or 70 years. Because you know that in relationships that go that long, and you listen to them talk, they are falling in love with each other more every single day still. There is, 
there is beauty in a relationship where we continue to grow. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, but too much of the time in our Christian walk with Jesus, we have cut off the growing process. We think that we've gotten everything we need, which is salvation. Salvation isn't everything, you guys. Salvation is just a part of it. And I want, you, I want to paraphrase what N.T. Wright says here. He says, we do not need to look for wisdom or knowledge elsewhere than in the person of Jesus. But at the same time, we have a long way to go in exploring the rich inheritance that we have entered into with Jesus. It's good, it's awesome to know the salvation we have in Jesus. But there's so much more depth every bit of the fruit of the spirit I'm telling you what if you think you've gotten the that you've attained depth in the fruits of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control I missed one I know I did okay but if you think you've gotten the depth in all those I guarantee you haven't I am so far from depth in all those areas I pray that every single day God will show me through the life of Jesus the depth the wisdom the knowledge in those areas just a little bit more that Jesus would show himself to me just a little bit more. Maybe you have gotten bored with the gospel. Maybe you have gotten bored with church as a whole. Maybe you've stopped growing in your faith. And the truth of what Jesus has done for you, it doesn't excite you anymore. It's time for us to get reignited in that excitement. It's time for us to get reignited in a relationship with Jesus rather than just being grateful that he saved you from the pits of hell. A relationship with Jesus is so much different and so much deeper than just getting salvation. So if you're bored with Jesus, I actually want to pray with you a little bit today as we're, as we're going to close up. I want to pray that, that God would reignite this passion for a relationship. To know him a little bit more every single day. To, to grow in the depth of wisdom and knowledge that this passage is talking about. And others of you, you maybe haven't found Jesus yet. Uh, maybe it's because we Christians have not done a very good job of showing you that there is reason to be excite, excited about Jesus. My prayer for you today is that, that you can get to that place where you can see the beauty of Jesus in such a way that you can have complete understanding of what it is he's done for you. But as we close up, I want to just, I want us to ask God to reignite what needs to be reignited. We might not even know what needs to be reignited. But just like a relationship, there's marriages that, that have to be constantly reignited. I've been in that place with my wife before where things just, it's not going perfectly and, and there just needs, and guess what? It can happen. It happens. That relationship can be rekindled. So if you're in that place this morning where you're, man, I just need that rekindling of my relationship with Jesus. I'm not growing. I want to grow. I want to know him more. I'm praying for you today, okay? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.